So we are in this incredible series. I can't remember how many weeks it has been now, but uh, we've been through the book, the letter of Colossians. Paul wrote this letter to a particular group of people in a city called Colossae. Is this sound okay? Um, all right. Colossae, where he um, encouraged them about how to follow God and, and what God has done for them, and then the subsequent action and response to what God has done for them through Jesus Christ. And this morning I want to carry on. Yanku helped us well last week to understand the fact that, that the, the Word of God should dwell in our lives. In other words, it should take habitation in our lives. And we read about that from Colossians chapter 3. And if you want to turn with me to that, um, it's Colossians 3 verse 16. And I'm going to read, just read these two verses to you. You all good? Everybody all right? Great. She love the back row there, shouting like that. Where to go? It's the whole Greek row there. Uh-huh. Jeez. There's space for the Greeks also in the kingdom of God, eh? Hallelujah. <laughs> and everybody said, amen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching, and, and Yanka really did that portion so well last week. I want to just carry on with it. It says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs. So if you haven't sung this morning, if you haven't sung yet, we're going to make you sing. All right? We were just trying to record who wasn't singing. So we're going to give you an opportunity soon to come up on the stage and be relevant in terms of what we're sharing from Scripture. Uh-huh. If you're blushing now, we know that's a clear giveaway. <laughs> Mr. Lombard, I'm watching you. <laughs> anyway, it says, with thankfulness in our hearts, we ought to do this. And verse 7, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wonderful portion. Again, what we're seeing here is that we were taught doctrine and who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We see here again the application of what he has done. So this morning, I've just entitled the word that I want to share with you, Saturated by the Word of God. English teacher, is it by the Word or in the Word? Is it? Thank you. I just got to check that. I've got a, I've got a, um, a tutor here as I, as I preach. I, I get these I, you know, signs from her. It's like, no, no, that wasn't right. So I'm just accountable. So thank you, ma'am. Um, but anyway, so we, we're saturated by the Word of God. And um, I want us to look at what it means to be saturated by the Word of God. It's such a beautiful thing to not only have a Bible. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible and you're desperate for one, we can help you. I really mean that because we believe that every believer or even person in their walk pursuing God and trying to know God should have a Bible to read from. And if you don't know how to read the Bible, by the way, you also ask. Because I've found that many, many people, I had a Bible for many years of my life, and it was up on my shelf in my house, in our house where I, where I grew up in, and I tried to just dust it off every now and again, and I felt good when I did that, just so that it looked like I was using it. I didn't know where to start. Nobody taught me. I knew that the Bible was a good book to read, but I didn't know the author of the Bible, so I didn't even know where to start reading about him. And if that is your situation, if you don't know how to read the Bible, please ask. Last year, we went through a series where we taught people on, on the beauty of the Bible. 
It's amazing how God's bringing us back as we study the, the letter to Colossians that um, we are reinforcing the value of the Bible in our lives. And by the way, we're never going to stop doing that. If you get tired of us talking about the Bible, please forgive us right now already and make space for 70 times 7 doing that because we're going to keep on talking about the value of the Bible. Is that good? Some of you are saying that's okay. <laughs> anyway, so, so we want to help one another to understand this morning just what it means to be saturated by the, by the Word. And so what I mean by saturation is not this, all right? Why are you running away now? Oh, jeez. Come back here. Stop that, man. It is, it is taking a sponge and dipping it into the water. And those of you that are in front, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Because we're going to try to make it really relevant for you to understand this. Is that okay? Sit still now. <laughs> now, we, we're trying to help you understand that to, to be saturated by the Word is not just taking a little bit of it every now and again and dipping our hands or, or dipping something in it. But it's to actually take it like the sponge. And you know that when you put it deep down under it, underneath the water and you squeeze it, it comes out full of of what you've dipped it in. I think sometimes we kind of take this and we just dip it in the Word. And little is taken up. Our lives as believers need to be, God, I want to soak myself in your Word. I want all of your Word to grab hold of my life so that more of you will be in me and less of myself. John the Baptist said that. He said, God, you need to increase in me and I need to decrease. I think the simple process is this. How do I decrease? I think it's more of, I get more of him so that less of myself will be evident. You understand? So myself engaging myself in the word of God enables me to get more of him in so that less of myself will be around. So there are four things that I found that if we are saturated by the word of God from verse 16 to 17 will become evident. And the first thing is this, that the word, that word saturated followers give guidance. Just a simple first statement is that Paul says the following. He says, if the word of Christ dwells in you richly, you will be enabled to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. That's what he says. As a result of the word, the fruit of it, of being saturated by his word, enables me to teach and admonish. And by the way, understand here that this is not written to the elders only or the leaders of a particular church. This is written to everyone. So, it includes you. So if you are dwelling richly in the Word of God or saturated by it, this is possible that you could and ought to teach and admonish others. So you're here this morning to receive teaching on it so that you can go and do the same. Amen? Amen? And you don't need to come up on a stage and, and stand here and preach it. You've got to go live it. 
you got to go present it to people. Because guess what? There are many people that will never come to a place like this. Unless you and I go to them. And our objective is not to get them to come to a Sunday morning meeting. Our objective is to let them have, have an understanding of who Jesus is as you teach and admonish. I love this thing that it talks about the one another's. It says they teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And there are hobos of one another's in the Bible. <laughs> Where it says love one another, serve one another, um, bear with one another's burdens, um, serve one another, love, forgive one another. And here is just another one of those one another's where, where Paul is saying, guys, you need to teach and admonish one another. It's not just one person should teach and admonish all of you. It is amongst one another. That's why family is so important. That's why church life is, is something that goes beyond this hour together on a Sunday. Because how many of us are going to teach and admonish one another in this context? It's not going to really be possible. There's one person standing and talking and teaching is presenting truth. Listen to this. Teaching is presenting truth to someone in order for them to grow. And it has to do with the communication of truth, which is really discipleship. So if we're saying to one another, as the Word of God is saturated in my life, and I'm saturated by it, one of the things that flow from it is that I become a teacher of the truth. By virtue of you reading it, studying it, listening to it, meditating upon it, you are, in a sense, released and, and, and required to go and teach truth to someone in order for them to grow. And it has to do with the communication of that truth. So you read the truth you get to know the truth, you apply the truth in your own life, and you start teaching it to others. So you become accountable right now this morning by virtue of you just sitting here. You are getting to know the un and getting the understanding or receiving the understanding that you have a responsibility as the Word of God becomes evident in your life to teach it to others. In family, wherever you are, with friends, at work, let it become something that you impart. And then you don't sit people down and say, excuse me, boss, we're going to have a Bible study this morning. I'm going to tell you what my pastor told, you, told me to do, to tell you. No, you teach it by who you are and the way that you live your life and, and how that truth has gripped your heart. The word admonish, by the way, is cautioning or gently reproving. It's putting sense into someone's head. <laughs> It's like, how many of you would like to do that to others? Yeah, I wish I could put some sense into this person's head. No, it's gently doing that. It's not coming down on them. It's alerting them of the serious consequences of the action and does not mean being judgmental or critical in a superior manner, but instead imparting a caring kind of warning against danger. That's what it means to admonish. You come close enough to someone to admonish them. Not to criticize and judge them. Isn't it so easy that we do that instead of admonishing? How many of you know that it's easier to criticize and judge? Oh yeah, none of you want to raise your hands now. Hey, thank you so much, Ash. 
But it is. It is easier just to make a comment. Oh, I can't believe that person's doing that. But admonishing means that I've got to come close enough. I've got to build a relationship. I've got to become a friend. And I've got to earn, in a sense, the righteous to speak into their lives. Hence the value of community. So even right now, you could judge me by sitting there. And I don't know about it, but that's fine. But if there are things that you see that are evident in my life that I need to be corrected on, it takes an effort to step out and say, hey, if I really love you, I'd like to talk to you about these things. And I'd like to encourage you about these things. But it's easier just to judge and to criticize. The Bible is very clear that if the Word of God, and we are saturated by it, we ought to have the love for one another to teach and admonish one another according to the truth. Not according to my preferences or what I think you ought to be doing, but because I'm so saturated by the word, I therefore love you enough to admonish and gently come and guide you. The second thing that, that we see is a fruit from the fact that we can have the word of Christ dwelling richly in us is the fact that the word saturated followers give praise. Paul says if, if the word of Christ is in you richly, you ought to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. By the way, you've got to have wisdom in that. Don't just go like a bull in a china shop to start shooting. Oh, I'm admonishing people. Now be wise, all right? And then he uses this portion. He says, of these words, he says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I love that. So when we are saturated by the word, the next thing that happens is that we, we start praising him. It is easy for us to praise him. And even when, we, when we're in a moment like this that we are, and, and there's song and music available it should even be more easier for us to worship and to praise Him because I'm so filled with what the Word teaches me about Him that if I'm given an opportunity, I don't need to come to a meeting where there's music. I can sing. I can praise Him any time of the day. And by the way, when we look at these three different categories of doing the singing thing. It says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I want to suggest that psalms are, are really the songs and prayers from the book of Psalms. <laughs> That's very clear, isn't it? Psalms, you know that there's a book in the Bible called Psalms? All right, so when you read that and you, and you kind of like agree with it, that's a, that's, that's, agreeing with who God is. And, and, and there's many songs actually because the book of Psalms are all songs. Do you know that? These are just songs. And, and if you even just read it and you can try to sing them, but that's beautiful because it's, it's bringing praise to Him. You're filling your heart. And by the way, it's the easiest way to praise the Lord. We've often done this. We've taken music away. We said, we're not going to use music this, this morning in a particular meeting where we were. And said, we're not going to let the songs that were written by people determine our worship to the Lord. We're going to let psalms from the Bible be used to determine our worship. And we just come and we just read the psalms. It's like wonderful expressions of praise unto God. Some of them are quite real of what people are going through, but eventually it's a direction of worship to God. 
The second word that Paul uses here is, is the word hymns. And, and I want to suggest hymns are songs written and created by followers of Christ based on the message of the gospel and who God is. And so we find lots of hymns, songs, that have been written outside of the book of songs. We sang many of them this morning. Correct? Now, if you have been saturated by the Word, and more of the Word is taking shape in your heart, when you then sing these songs like we did, where are some of them? There was a song that we sang that um, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. What is that based on? Based on the ever-presence, the omnipresence of God, that God is always with us. So am I, I may be surrounded by stuff. How many of you are? Currently, there are many things, but I'm surrounded by Him. So what the word and saturation of it in my life would mean is that, hey, I can connect with that that hymn, that song that was written about God, and my spirit is in agreement with what I've just reading up here. And therefore, I can sing, and, and not just sing it from my head, but sing it from my heart. That's why us coming out this morning simply was a, an, just a simple exercise to help us get beyond our comfort zones of, I always just stand there, and I don't know what we're going to sing about this morning, to consciously engage God. Songs are there. Songs are incredible tools for us to engage God. And you know what? When you fall in love with God and you truly understand from Scripture, from being saturated by His Word, you truly understand who He is, then your spirit comes alive. And songs are one of the ways in which you engage Him. The other one that talks about spiritual songs, and I want to suggest that spiritual songs are those spontaneous songs that come up. That we just sing without having, you know, try to find chords for it or, or try to make it rhyme or make it sound like it's, it makes sense. But we just express our hearts. And just instead of just a, a few words that we utter as, as praise unto the Lord, suddenly there's a song that comes of people just responding to God. And you don't need music for that. The point is this, if we are saturated by the Word of God, these are the things that start happening in our lives. And I want to challenge you that do not become saturated by your culture or your background that says, this is how I will express my love for God because my culture has actually brought me up in a certain way and it's more comfortable for me to do it this way. I challenge you to become saturated by the Word of God so that your response to Him will be from the Word, not from your cultural preference. I grew up in a conservative culture. And the more I'm getting exposed to the Word... And to the Spirit, and by the way, we'll look at that verse just now. It's a beautiful verse in Ephesians 5 that actually ties in so well with this one. The more I see the beauty of God from the Word, the more I realize that my culture can inhibit me from worshiping Him through psalms, 
hymns and spiritual songs because my culture says behave and be quiet and be dignified. But my new godly, my kingdom culture teaches me that like David said, I will be even more undignified than this. Even though the people are saying the king cannot run around like that and be so crazy in love with God, he should behave himself. He said, I will be even more undignified than this because God has touched my heart. I challenge you to not let your dignity be determined by your culture and by your own background and your own upbringing, but let the kingdom culture determine your love for him and your approach towards him. That when we, and that's why I come back to this incident this morning where we challenge one another, just come out a little bit. I know it's more comfortable. I know it's preferred just to stay where you are. But you know what? These are simple ways, not to just do it on a Sunday, but to say, God, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going I'm to express how much I love you regardless of how I feel. Paul says, words saturated followers give praise. There is this credible challenge we have to not be bound and limited by our, our backgrounds and our cultures. The third thing that he says here is that word saturated followers give honor. He says, and whatever you do, verse 17, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And this is our highest Christian morality, a vibrant and practical recognition of Christ in everything said or done. Whatever we do, we do it as unto him. Nothing excluded. Say with me, everything. Everything is included in everything. Correct? Nothing is excluded. So when Paul says, whatever you do, it's not just simply in religious service. Oh, we're going to go to a meeting. So in that meeting, we'll do whatever we do as unto the Lord. But in business or daily life, not merely in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, will we do it as unto him, but in a language of friendship, the language of trade, the language on the sports field, the language in the office, whatever I do, I do as unto the Lord. Not simply in deeds which are part of Christian responsibility, such as giving to the poor, helping people, that's when I will do as unto the Lord. But in every act, whether visible or hidden, where many don't know him or want to know him, I do it as unto the Lord. In daily tasks, the mundane and the also important ones, I do it as unto the Lord, and in the dealing with the regulars in our lives and, and also with the unknown that we bump into, we do it as unto the Lord. With people that I like and people that I dislike, I do it as unto the Lord. Whatever I do, in word or deed, because I'm saturated by the word of God. I read in scripture how much he loves people. And when I see those people that he loves with all his heart, I say, God, help me to do the same. Lastly, word-saturated people or followers give thanks. It says very clearly in verse 16, it says we, we sing with thankfulness in our hearts and then closes with verse 17, we give thanks to God, our Father, through Him. Thankfulness is a huge thing and we will keep on talking about this. It's not something ever that should leave our lives and become just a mundane thing to do. 
giving thanks is who we are. And Paul, by the way, uses the present tense here, which calls for thanksgiving to be a lifestyle for us, not just a once in a blue moon opportunity to say something good. Our natural or supernatural response to all people and circumstances we God allows or to send into our lives, that's when we need to be thankful. If you go to work tomorrow and you're facing the same challenge again, that's when you need to be thankful. It is great to be thankful on a Sunday when we relaxed and, and there possibly is this at home today for some of you. By the way, I don't have. <laughs> I don't want to know if you have or not. Because if you do have, I want to know why you have and I don't have. But let's not go there. Anyway, I know who some of you have and I love you still. I've had little zesa over the last weekend and I just feel that it's, I'm being set free from that, um, that issue. You can see that I'm completely relaxed about it. In all situations, God says I must be thankful. And so Samin and I around the one light that we had lit last night. We said, what are we thankful for tonight? Seriously, it's a battle. But it's a reality that, that I'm encouraged that if the word is, is real in my life and I'm saturated by it, then I should be thankful. The thing is this, if I recognize my level of unthankfulness, I've got to connect that to my level of the word of God in me. If there's great unthankfulness in your heart this morning, my friend, it's probably related, and I suggest this, that the Word of God is not taking shape in your life. It's not an accusation. It's just that the Word of God richly dwells in us. Thankfulness is a supernatural thing, no matter what the circumstances are. Ephesians 5, would you go there with me? I just want to show this to you, how it actually so nicely ties up with Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17. Paul, again, Paul wrote to another church in Ephesus, and he says, Ephesians 5, verse 18. Lovely verse. Let's listen to this one. Do not get drunk with wine. Everybody said, amen. <laughs> He's like, oh, I didn't say beer. So I'm okay. Now, don't worry. Just let's not focus on that one. But Paul is clearly saying, do not live like this, for that is debauchery. But he says, be filled with the Spirit. Then if you are filled with the Spirit, and if you are saturated, today's word, the following happens in verse 19, Ephesians 5. He says, addressing one another in psalms. How's that? And hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another. We, we, we see what it means to be saturated by the Word. We see what it means to be saturated by the Spirit, and they all tie up. The one is not against the other. They go together. One says, hey, if this is evident, the Word is evident, then this will happen. Paul says, yeah, if the Spirit is evident in your life, he will start singing songs to one another. It's like, how's that? We greet one another. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, my brother, I've had a great week, hallelujah. That's not what we're talking about here. It's just we're together and we're actually expressing great appreciation for God. And Paul encourages us about that. There's a song that I heard some years ago about an amazing couple in South Africa that, that has a little band. They wrote this song. 
and the words go like this. What if we wake up tomorrow morning with only the things that we've been thankful for today? Will you be okay? What if we wake up tomorrow morning with only the things that we've been thankful for today? Will it be okay? Tomorrow morning, we may only have what we are thankful for today. It's a challenge for us. It's not, oh, I want to have much tomorrow. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to thank God for my Mercedes. And tomorrow I'll have it. No, we're not talking about that name, claim, and frame it stuff. We're talking about the reality of what I have today. I'm so thankful for. I genuinely appreciate what I have. And I ask you, does your lifestyle match what God has done in your life? If you're saturated by the word, there's a lot of thanks that'll come. There's a simple thing that I read. It says, don't complain about thorns among the roses, but be grateful for roses among the thorns. It's again that half full and half empty glass thing. So Paul encourages us, yeah, in this letter. He says, guys, there's a lot that Christ has done. You've got to read that. Read what he's done in your life and saturate yourself with that truth because the saturation of that truth leads you to be able to give guidance to people. If you're saturated by the word, it enables you to praise him genuinely and authentically. If you're saturated by the word, it enables you to... Um, to thank God more. If you're saturated by the word, it is really a wonderful thing that enables you to give honor because your whole life is then, I live in honor of him. Word saturation makes you and me look different and behave differently. I'm gonna close by praying. You know, there's drips of water all over my iPad here. But Father, I pray this morning that you will help us to let the uh, practical outworking of letting the Word of God dwell in us become real. The question we need to ask ourselves, Lord, is, am I letting the Word of God richly dwell in me? And if I say yes, then, Lord God, these things should be evident in us, that we are able to help people teach and admonish and guide. We are able to praise you no matter what we're facing singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. God, we are able to give you honor in everything we do, not just in those moments that we are just conscious of you, but a word-saturated life means that everything I do bring honor to you. And lastly, Lord God, uh, the saturation means that I'm a thankful person. I pray for us as a church, Lord, that we will commit ourselves to letting the word of Christ richly dwell in us. And then as we commit ourselves to that, we also commit ourselves to the application of that, to the fruit of that. Father, this morning, there may even be people here that have never heard the gospel that it's only possible for lives to be different when Christ Jesus himself comes and enters our lives. So I pray 
Well, God, the greatest saturation is, first of all, the saturation of the truth in our lives, that Jesus died for our sins, and we don't have to live without him, and empty, and no hope. And so I pray this morning, Father, if there are people here today that need to hear the gospel, that Jesus loves them, and he died for their sins, and that they can be forgiven of their sins, and, and receive eternal life and hope in you, I pray, Father, that there will be people that say, yes, I need that. And say, God, I, I submit to you. I give you my life. And I pray, Father, for, for others of us here that are saying, I need to be saturated by your word so that the, the fruit of your word in my life will become clear to others and not just to myself. Even the way I worship you will change. Even the way I'm thankful and moaning and complaining will change. Because I'm allowing the word to saturate me. I pray, Father, that that will happen. Trust you for your grace. Trust you, Lord Jesus, that by your spirit you will help us towards this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.